This is Ken Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. You are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild from the ashes of that great conflict. A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The League is unlimited. Original series starring every superhero worth cheering for and then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to episode 276 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our social media accounts. It's Liam. Liam, we are turning the calendar page and starting a new month after spending an entire month celebrating uh, writer Len Yuli with uh, with a month of static episodes that he was responsible for penning. We are uh, turning the page and we are headed back to uh, to talk a little bit about Justice League Unlimited, which uh, ends up being some of our most listened to episodes, most popular amongst listeners. And uh, man, we left things off with a cliffhanger and we uh, we hit the ground running, picking right back up where we left off. That's right. We uh, we ended on something of a cliffhanger last time we were reviewing Justice League Unmi- Unlimited. And uh, here we are picking up that thread with the episode entitled Flashpoint. Not the one you're thinking of, though. <laughs> not, the, not the movie of the same name, not the comic book storyline of the same name, and not the loosely based script uh, for what the Flash movie uh, reportedly was just based on also. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this is its own thing and uh, has very little to do with uh, that th- with the Flash at all. He is in the episode, though. But uh, yes, we will get into breaking down this week's episode, which originally aired here in the States on the Cartoon Network on July the 2nd, 2005, meaning we just recently passed the 18-year anniversary of this episode's 
debut. And before we get into our breakdown of our four categories of plot, animation and visuals, music, and voice acting, we will, of course, get to this week's official Internet Movie Database, the IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which is brought to you by The Pod Tower. If you're looking for fun and entertaining DC animated themed podcasts, do we have a YouTube channel for you? Head on over right now to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe. And you'll not only get the entire Tim talk catalog, which covers every single episode of the DCAU. You also get a great podcast brought to you by the watchtower database and uh, the fine folks over there as they are currently going through the DCAU in uh, air date order so they are currently reviewing superman with their jump on the bat wagon podcast and then of course there's a little uh little little podcast called the dcau review which is also on that podcast channel and uh, features its entire catalog as well all in one convenient space for your listening enjoyment that's youtube.com slash the pod tower head over today and subscribe that's right. So this is the synopsis for Flashpoint, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie, directed by Joaquin DeSantos, uh, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners, and animation by DR Movie Co. And that synopsis reads as such. Lex Luthor executes his masterstroke to eliminate Project Cadmus and frame the Justice League. I like the use of the term masterstroke. Mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's going outside there. It leaves a little bit to be desired. I think I think you you're left wanting a little bit more, you know, because there is a little bit more in depth there. But I I'd give it a solid. I think I give it a C C plus or a B minus. Yeah, it gets it gets the jobs. It gets the job done for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. So as mentioned, we we kick things off just. Right literally where we left it off at the end of uh, the previous episode, question authority. Of course, it was Superman and the Huntress had broken into Cadmus headquarters in order to rescue the question who was being tortured there following his stealing uh, several classified documents from uh, Cadmus. And uh, they were confronted by none other than Captain Adam, who has uh, defected, so to speak, and joined... uh, Joined up with Cadmus, he was called back into service by General Eiling, as we saw in that previous episode, and uh, and the fight is on. Um, we'll, we'll certainly have more to talk about in visuals with that, but uh, Superman, Captain Adam going toe-to-toe, Captain Adam using a, a version of red sun energy or radiation to try to weaken Superman in their fight, while Huntress slowly but surely sort of drags the question out of the uh, the facility, Superman handing handing her his comm link, and she's able to get outside and call in uh, Jean to teleport her in question out of uh, out of the uh, out of danger. While uh, Superman, after a long brutal fight with Captain Adam, finally defeats him. But as the Cadmus uh, medical staff rushes in to try to aid Captain Adam, uh, Superman won't even allow them to touch him, and uh, he takes him up and uh, insists that he's still part of the Justice League even after this fight. And uh, so from there, we spend, uh, we spend a lot of the rest of this episode up at the Watchtower mm-hmm. as, uh, as we see uh, questions having a little bit of trouble uh, breathing in his, uh, in his hospital bay, in the med bay, in the Watchtower. And we get, uh, we get a face reveal here. This is mm-hmm. We get uh, <laughs> 
uh, a big big deal. It's like when uh, one of those uh, like AI VTubers uh, puts their face on camera for the first time, but uh, with 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 a weird libertarian right wing super superhero. <laughs> I don't know. I lost the thread there, but it's there. You were right. I am the ugliest guy of all time. Not in my eyes. What happened? Cadmus turned him against us. No way. He'd never do that. But he did. And so did Professor Hamilton. Hamilton's working for Cadmus. He's probably the one who... Cloned me. Why? He was afraid of us. I'm sorry, Kara. Don't be. Just tell me when we're gonna go and shut them down. One stop first. Wait here. What's going on? You got it. Um, <laughs> but yes, after uh, after the aid of his... Uh, his uh, aerosol spray to remove the mask and undye his hair, as we find out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we get the, we get questioned, just completely wrecked, uh, swollen and beaten, beaten all to hell. And uh, they they do a little callback to the double date episode where uh, the huntress claims that he would only he must cover his face like that because he's the ugliest guy of all time. And he he, uh, he responds that. He- he, she was really is, and uh, she doesn't quite see it that way. And mm-hmm. they, they have a very nice, sweet moment uh, uh, furthering that romance along. And as we see, as we see that, we see a Supergirl kind of uh, watching over them from uh, outside, outside in the hallway. And uh, she, it's time for her and Superman to uh, have a little heart to heart. And uh, it's here we get the official stated reveal that uh well i guess it was technically in the previous episode but that uh it was in fact professor hamilton who stole kara's dna and cloned her all those months ago when uh, galatea first appeared and that uh, that he has joined cadmus because they're afraid of them and uh so superman heads off to the uh heads off to the what do they call the main thing in the watchtower that everybody that john stands at <laughs> Um, what is that is it like the the eagle's nest is it yeah. like yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know what, it's kind of like that it's just like the the main watch point <laughs> right whatever you call it the deck. John, little, is it the, the deck, deck. The deck. yeah because yeah, it's like a ship right yeah. So, so yeah it's uh they go to the deck and uh superman uh having just experienced all of this and then reiterating this very uh, emotional and traumatic experience realizing that uh, one of their closest allies has betrayed them and and perhaps for him more importantly betrayed Kara he heads to the uh, to the bridge or the or the deck or whatever it is and he uh, he he wants he wants some answers from Jean on what they should do next and uh, those questions uh, and answers are are hotly debated amongst several different Justice Leaguers as uh, as several are present here. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that uh, in the conversation uh, between Superman and the question, uh, the question reminds him that he was there trying to kill Lex Luthor because he was trying mm-hmm. to prevent 
the whole Justice Lords storyline from happening because Question is under the impression that it is inevitable that Superman, uh, that Luther kills Flash, Superman mm-hmm. kills Luthor, and then arms race Armageddon. He's going to be fine, but he needs his rest. I'll only be a moment. It's okay, Helen. Five minutes. What happened, Question? How did Cadmus get a hold of you? I went to kill Luthor so that you wouldn't be able to. That's not how we do things. How do we do things, Superman? Your counterpart killed Luthor. This Luthor is scheming to enrage you. Doing a pretty good job of it. Ruining your reputation, turning your friends and comrades against you, creating a superpowered arms race. But you cannot succumb. I can shut down Cadmus without killing Luthor. Carry on, then. If you're wrong, it's not like it's the end of the world, right? Uh, he, he does his best also to remind him that Cadmus uh, has continually uh, been bringing out Superman's darker side so to speak and being able to get his goat a little bit so uh, as this conversation uh is and debate is happening between jean and uh and superman superman makes it very clear he wants to act without thinking and head down there and kind of uh fire a shot back at them uh pun intended as we'll see here and uh and kind of let them know that this they won't the justice league won't stand for this Jean makes it very clear that he knows that Superman knows better because he's not just going and doing it. He's talking about it and they can't do that. They can't act outside of uh, outside of the law in that way. And uh, this brings in Green Arrow and and uh, and the Flash to kind of offer their own opinions uh, because, uh, you know, the Green Arrow talks about what their role as superheroes and the people that hold the most power mm-hmm. uh what their they are uh, you know their their commitment to upholding uh the law and he also points out that cadmus is in fact a legitimate uh, endorsed part of the the US government it, it may may be secretive but it's not uh it's, it's not some rogue villainous uh, organization that they can simply stop and uh, because they believe they're doing injustices, they it's, it's different because it's a part of the U S government. It's endorsed mm-hmm. by, by the government, uh, which has its own crimes that it commits. And there's, there should be checks and balances to hold the, the government accountable, but it's, it's not their role to do so. Um, and he also points out that, as a as one of the the few members of the Justice League that doesn't have superpowers, that they have a right to fear <laughs> the Justice mm-hmm. League. We can't let Cadmus get away with it. No one's saying we should, but we have to keep a cool head. Do you know what they did to me? Look, kid, Hamilton's a piece of garbage, and Luthor's worse. But this isn't the way to stop them. We must also consider the possibility that Cadmus is right to be afraid of us. What?! And there is strong evidence of Cadmus having legitimate connections to the government. Maybe to some rogue black ops group. The real government wouldn't get involved in anything like this. Hey, I'm the only guy in the room who doesn't have superpowers. And let me tell you, you guys scare me. What if you do decide to go marching down there, taking care of whoever you think is guilty? Who could stop you? Me? So you want the government to have a bunch of superhuman weapons just to keep us in check? No. I don't know. 
Yeah. Look, I'm an old lefty. The government must do for people what people can't do for themselves. The people sure can't protect themselves from the likes of us. We're not talking about the government. We're talking about a shadow cabinet that's taken it upon themselves to eliminate us. They came after us. We have to hit them back hard. Grammy Flash always used to say the trouble with an eye for an eye is that everybody ends up blind. Uh, so all of this, while all of this is happening, we cut to a, uh, a very suspicious Lex Luthor who's working on some sort of project <laughs> in his lab. Uh, more to come with that as we talk about in visuals here in a little bit. But uh, he gets a call from Amanda Waller, who is uh, speaking directly to him about the uh, the fact that that uh, that Superman broke out. The question uh, has a lot of information. They were able to get uh, linking Luthor to Cadmus, and that uh, that that Luther could soon be implicated uh, with some maybe nefarious type things that he's been involved in. And if he is implicated that Cadmus uh, won't, uh, won't hesitate to serve him up as a sacrificial lamb, uh, distancing mm-hmm. themselves from him. Luther mentions that he has, uh, he has the pardon from the president, but Waller makes sure that she makes sure that he understands that it, that only covers past crimes and not new crimes. But <laughs> there again, uh, too busy buried in his work mentions that he has uh, he has he has far bigger fish to fry and and uh, has has something else believes the Justice League will soon be worried about something else. Uh, so then we cut back to the watchtower back to the bridge and and the uh, the watchtower the, the our heroes are still debating uh, kind of what the next steps are. And uh, what did you know it out of the blue uh, Luther, by the way, ended his se- ended his scene by going to a computer and uh, pressing enter and a countdown began starting uh we mm-hmm. th- before we cut back to the watchtower by the way the watchtower uh a- as the arguing is continuing suddenly the lights dim and the uh the computer announces that the binary fusion cannon is preparing to fire well that would be inconvenient but i wouldn't worry about the justice league quite yet they have problems of their own goodbye mrs waller I still think we should go down to Cadmus, take them out, and accept any consequences after the... Computer, report. Binary fusion generator initialization sequence in progress. Abort. Unable to comply. System locked. Override. Command authority 004. System administrator John Jones recognized. Unable to comply. All hands prepare for binary fusion discharge. This is not a drill. Have to do with the hard way. Rerouting binary fusion control. Bypassing circuit break. does his best to try and override it and shut everything down and, and even goes in manually and disconnects a whole bunch of wires. Hey, when, when all else fails, break something, right? <laughs> uh, and he tries his best, but uh, I guess the emergency backup power powers back on and the, the floating space gun known as the watchtower uh, or perhaps uh, ripped directly from the headlines, the directed energy weapon, mm. uh, or DEW as some would call it, fires off 
And uh, wouldn't you know it, it, uh, it makes a connected spot right at the Cadmus headquarters, uh, creating a mushroom cloud just outside a major city and uh, a, a rather huge crater in the middle of this area. Uh, we see the ripple effects happening as buildings begin catching on fire and there's a, there's an earthquake and uh, you know, things are beginning uh, water mains begin to break and lots of, lots of chaos ensues in the, in the ra- uh, aftermath of this, this weapon firing. And uh, suddenly the justice league, realize what's happened realize that they have to get down there to try and help superman and the rest of the justice league begin trying to form a plan they are trapped for some time because the power is down due to the firing of the weapon but uh, they immediately begin sending uh, sending people out and trying to figure out how they can get out um, and manually get down there because they're their uh their transportation what do they call that thing the uh the beam me up scotty thing uh, uh i think they just say teleporters yeah the teleporters yeah yeah, yeah. uh the i think what it was called in in the comics but they're offline because of the the power surge so they're offline uh so they're going to take javelins and go down and try and help the situation uh superman by the way did try and, and prevent the cannon did everything he could to try and prevent the cannon from firing at mm-hmm. the last second but was actually hit by the cannon himself uh and had to be rescued by dr light shortly thereafter but uh back on the watchtower the phone rings and uh it's from a very specific singular phone and that's never a good sign in whatever movie or television show you're watching if it's it's got its own dedicated handheld line it's probably <laughs> very important and the next call between john and the person on the other line is not a friendly one that's right we hear from the president of the united states is now a character on this show mr president Come on. You too, Arrow. Mr. President, I know this looks bad. Is that supposed to be some kind of Martian humor? No, sir. I need some answers, John. Why exactly did the Justice League destroy a high-security R&D facility? All appearances to the contrary, the Justice League did not fire the binary fusion weapon. Sure looked that way from down here. It was activated remotely by person or persons unknown. I'd like to believe you, John. We've never given you any reason to doubt our words, sir. Even so, I've repeatedly expressed my strongest disapproval of you guys having that space cannon floating over everybody's head. If we'd had it during the Thanagarian invasion, we might have avoided a great deal of suffering. We don't intend to be caught unprepared a second time. I don't want to have this argument again. You're not holding a strong hand right now anyway. My people are investigating this incident. You guys have saved the world more times than I've shot under par, so we give you a lot of slack. But if it turns out you are responsible, the full weight of the United States government is coming down on you. Got it? Understood. Thank you, Mr. President. The ambiguous, <laughs> the ambiguous 43rd, I guess it would have been president. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, he's uh, he's immediately questioning why exactly the Watchtower's uh, gun was just discharged on this high security facility. And uh, and John tries to assure him that there's a, that there's an explanation that they were that they were hijacked by person or persons unknown, and uh, the president sort of acquiesces. He says that he he wants to believe them because of how often they have uh, how often they've saved the world, but he does bring up the fact 
that he has repeatedly, the U.S. government has repeatedly questioned that this gun existing at all, mm-hmm. and and that uh, that this is it's one of the things, he, and we talk that'll become a theme a little bit later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but that uh, if the gun had not been there, no one could have fired it, sort of thing, and. Uh, and John's comeback is a a pretty decent one, and that if they had had it during the Thanagarian invasion, that perhaps uh, things could have gone differently. It wouldn't have been such a a dire situation then. So they they come to a sort of a stalemate with the president saying that the government will be investigating, and that uh, if anything is uh, untoward in that uh, in that relation in uh, in that investigation, that the full weight of the U.S. government will be coming down on the on the Justice League. And uh obviously they uh right right after that we get uh we get we get a cut to the president and uh sort of some generic advisors <laughs> uh, uh just all yelling that it's you know about different things he should or shouldn't be doing and his phone rings again and uh, this time it's uh, or actually it's the first time his phone rang because he called the other time but <laughs> he uh, his phone rings and he he realizes that it's a call from none other than Amanda Waller who uh, informs them that they had uh, after Superman had broken in they had decided to move the facility so that uh, the Justice League ended up firing on an empty uh, an empty building and uh but not for lack of trying it appears that there were no casualties as a result of this of a uh, result of this cannon so the president is still not sure Amanda Waller is very much ready to take action wants to strike back it's funny how we'll we'll get we'll get to the parallels at the end here but mm-hmm. just little things that you I never I didn't pick up on this as a teenager, I guess, when I watched it, mm-hmm. what, what I was seeing here. But mm-hmm. very similarly to the conversation we just heard the Justice League, the good guys have. Mm-hmm. We are now hearing a very similar conversation between, uh, between Waller and the president. Waller assuring the president that they need to go. They, Cadmus is their only option. It's time to go to war, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better term, with the Justice League. But the president told her to hold off for now. And that he is weighing his options, and uh, as uh, after uh, in the aftermath, we see uh, Superman still unconscious out in space. Doctor Light, not that one, the female one, <laughs> brings him uh, brings him back into the Watchtower as uh, Flash, along with Green Arrow and some others, decide they're going to go down to Earth and help in the uh, disaster relief. And uh, they're they're uh, as as they're leaving, uh, it's just it's just clear that things are things are dire and uh they're they're the justice league is scrambling to try to restore everything as mentioned and kind of looking over the wreckage as they're as the javelins flying in green arrow once again lamenting the fact that this is their fault to an extent and the flash tries to push back on that but once again that that same issue is uh is risen again that if if this weapon didn't exist no one could have used it and mm-hmm. so they do have some culpability as a as a result of that so as they go to the ground as mentioned there's a we get a, a montage of the justice league helping people and and saving people from disasters some fun little uh some fun little cameos that we could talk about from justice leaguers we don't we probably saw in the background of like the first episode but i haven't really mm-hmm. seen in action yet Yep. Uh, like booster gold and gypsy and uh vibe getting yep. getting some shine here so some fun little bits here we'll talk about in visuals maybe a little bit more but uh 
in the aftermath of that, we see the Flash uh, run and and find a uh, there's a child crying because she uh, she's lost her cat, and a uh, father's trying to console her. So he finds the cat and brings it to her, and shakes the dad's hand and tells her that they're the, the dad tells the Flash that they're they're proud to to have these heroes here and they're so thankful for the help and and the flash tries to kind of accept that thanks but uh, then a paramedic sort of speaks up and tells them uh kind of reads in the riot act it's a rotten situation i'm glad we could lend a hand if you care so much why did you shoot at us in the first place we did i what do you mean first they shoot at us then they come help us it's not that simple buddy I heard it was an industrial accident. Are you saying you did shoot at us? Well, I saw it. A big laser beam from the sky, just like the one you guys used to shoot those alien spiders in Nevada a few months ago. It was an accident. Well, that makes me feel a lot better. All right, let's calm down. We never do anything to hurt you. You have to trust us. Those ships will move you to a temporary shelter. It's safer. I'll take my chances. I'm not sure what I'm doing here anymore. People need us. We help them. I mean, a lot of this, as we've talked about, is direct parallel to various U.S. foreign policies over the years. Mm -hmm. But here is civilians in the aftermath of a drone strike. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Saying, if you cared so much, why did you shoot at us? Right. If you care, and and Green Arrow tries to stick up for the Flash and say it was an accident, and it didn't happen, and and the the civilians sort of all begin to join in and say that, well, look, all we know is that a beam shot out of the sky. We know it came from you guys because it's the same one you used to shoot the spider robots yep. uh, a few months ago, and now you're standing around trying to act like heroes mm. for for coming to help. And so it creates this uh, very uncomfortable situation. Uh, and uh, Green Arrow is once again sort of left feeling like perhaps he made the wrong decision to, uh, to stick around as we, uh, we had, head to the finale of this, uh, this sort of middle, uh, this middle portion of this uh, final Cadmus arc. That's right. And we get a, a brief final uh, scene as we cut back to, uh, this government facility and uh, their general Eiling, uh, Amanda Waller, Professor Hamilton. And who's the, uh, who's the fourth guy? He's the, uh, the torture guy from the, the torture guy. Yeah. The guy that was torturing the guy that was torturing the question in the last episode, they're all sitting around a table waiting, uh, hoping that the president is going to call to give them the okay to, uh, to declare war, or I guess give a final stand down order and uh, Amanda Waller has no time for this, no time for patience, as she decides she's going to take matters into her own hands. We see her leave the table, walk into another room where it is revealed is uh, a fully healed Galatea is there doing uh, lifts with heavy machinery. And uh, she, Amanda Waller checks on her to make sure she's full and ready to go. And uh, she says she's more than ready to go on her next mission and her next mission uh, per Amanda Waller is going to be taking on the justice league, but she's not going to do it alone as a, she opens up a door and revealed is an army of the Ultimen, 
uh, various different versions of that uh, that Super Friends homage from a couple of episodes back. Uh, but it's just hundreds of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these groups of Ultimen ready to go and support Galatea as her soldiers. And that is where this issue com- or this episode comes to a close, leaving us with uh, another bit of a cliffhanger there but don't worry justice league fans we'll be back next week with more so uh, a a fun one indeed liam this one sandwiched in it's interesting kind of following up i'd say as we get into our 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 plot scores here mm-hmm. following up you know it's been a, several months since we've we've uh we've reviewed this i loved that they had the recap at the beginning just in case you missed it mm-hmm. uh showing that these episodes really are are connected and it's important and integral to kind of follow along and not miss one of these but it gives, catches you up real quick you pick right back up in the middle of this you have uh an incredible fight happened right at the beginning between superman and captain adam and it is mm-hmm. it is rough and tumble it you know i put it but it's probably not quite as brutal as the as the captain marvel slash shazam and superman mm-hmm. fight i would say that one may be slightly more brutal but this one is this one's pretty rough lots of mm-hmm. uh lots of closed fists lots of hard punches a big uh big meaty men bumping meat as they say right just, just <laughs> hanging in there throwing fists uh not really holding back so that's how you kick off the episode and and i think maybe that was done because a lot of the the rest of the episode is more dialogue heavy is more uh story driven than than the rest of the episode the i mean the the tension comes from the what's happening with the cannon. Can they shut the cannon down in time? Mm-hmm. And then we get the, the tensions sort of raise again at the end as we get the reveal of Galatea and, and her army uh, that's going to go fight the justice league. But you do have a lot of downbeats in between those spots. So you really kind of have to drive things home with this plot. And as we, we talked about the last month that we did justice league unlimited reviews, uh, these episodes that the late great Dwayne McDuffie wrote stand up today. They're so, so layered. They're so just entertaining. I, you know, it's, I, I don't know how long it's been since I've seen this episode before we you know watched it today. It's been some time though, but just looking at the different topics and the things that are touched on and we get, you know, we get, uh, you know, the, the position of green arrow as, you know, look as a, as a more, as a, as he calls himself an old lefty, like Mm -hmm. his position and an opinion of what the government should be and what it does, why that kind of, uh, and how that kind of shapes his outlook on things. Um, and why that influences kind of what his advice is to Superman on how to act. You have uh, Jean kind of uh, just kind of coming in from, from his own standpoint of like, Hey, we're heroes. We, we, this isn't what we do. Um, You have the flash who points out that Superman is talking more like Batman these days than he is (laughs) acting like Superman. Um, you know, which is, if you really look at it is Superman's the dark gritty guy in these last couple episodes we pointed out. Uh, it's, it's just so, so layered and so enjoyable to watch here. I am, I don't know we said this is 18 years ago. So 
you know, as, as a, as a teenager watching this, you, you, like you said, you don't pick up on all of the intricacies and the little things that the real world application that, mm-hmm. that, that Mr. McDuffie was clearly alluding to, and that is still relevant today in a lot of ways, in a lot of discussions. So yeah. um, it's something like that, that is timeless in, in so many ways that still applies today that you can look at, you can enjoy that is so layered, man. I, I just, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of speechless on, on how to, <laughs> how to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Cause obviously as we, we have alluded to touched on, this is obviously this was written during the height of, you know, the war on terror, the, the Bush, the Bush white house and, and things like that. But to your point, you know, that's the government's role, U.S. imperialism overreaching, government overreach, arms races. These are not exclusive to one era of uh, of U.S. or world history. And there's these are still themes and, and, and struggles that we we as real people deal with in the real world every day. And so to see that put through a a superheroic lens like this is really fascinating and to have you know to have the good guys and it's also as we see in that in that little debate it's like green arrow's point is not unfounded Mm -hmm. right that if if there was an evil justice league that showed up which there already has been (laughs) Mm -hmm. they are like an evil justice league already came into this universe once Who's going to stop them if, uh, and somebody's got to. Right. So, and on the other hand, you have like, you know, Supergirl in, in that, in that discussion, she's, she's been literally and figuratively violated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by this government agency that's supposed to be protecting people. She wasn't protected. Right. She, she didn't turn evil. She was trying to save the world for when Superman turned evil, if you remember. Right. Yep. And as a result, her reward was getting, you know, getting her, you know, her, her DNA stolen and turned into a clone that tried to kill her. Like, this right. is, that's not her fault. Like, none of that was her fault, but now she's been made a victim of this. And so she's not wrong to stand up and go, wait, so you want these guys to be in charge of world defense? These guys that you know, backbite and lie and cheat and all of these things. Like there's, there's so many layers to this that, that feel, and these, these characters feel like real people having a conversation. Yeah. Yes. They're all wearing, they're all wearing spandex and, and have, you know, bright primary colors on, but they just feel like real people discussing a real issue. It just happens to be, in that world, it's less about, you know, drone strikes and military interventionism. And it's more about, you know, superheroes and space lasers, right. <laughs> which, as you said, even that's not that far out. <laughs> anyway. um, yep. So it's just like, it, yeah, the way that this is crafted is fascinating. And then as as we talked about during the recap, the the parallel of how Superman is talking to Jean and how Waller is talking to the president mm-hmm. and they're both saying, we don't have time to think. We don't have time to do this the right way. Right. We got to act now. They're the enemy. We've got to stop them right now. They came at us. We got to hit them back hard. I want to say that's like a direct line that either like Donald Rumsfeld or Colin, someone said that in the Bush white house, like, right. Right. like that's, that's, that's directly ripped from the headlines dialogue. 
said by Superman. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's very powerful. And to see that, that, that played off of each other where the lines are very blurred and there isn't necessarily a, a, you know, a black and white, a, a simple answer to this question. Absolutely. um, Is, is great. And I think that creates a story and it creates it does, you know. By the end, we know because we because we've seen the show before, um, and because it's you know at the end of the day these are it is a superhero show for for kids. Like we know at the end of the day, Superman's not going to turn bad and murder the president, right? <laughs> but within this story, it allows you even now coming back to it as an adult, and probably even more so in some ways as we've just been discussing, to really get just invested in that conflict in a way that it's just, it's just fabulous. Like it's just, it's just amazing the way that this was crafted and the way that like, I I just keep coming back to the, like I said, the, the scene where they're all arguing in the the watchtower and nobody, nobody's wrong there. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and you go back to um, the, the doomsday sanction where, you know, Superman's like, all right, job well done. We did it gang. And Batman is, furious at him mm-hmm. for you know we we passed judgment we sent someone to prison without do like to, right. you know we passed judgment without you know without anyone else having a say so like we are dangerous we are they're right to be scared of us right like this this continuation and i know there was some talk which maybe we can talk later later in the month when we get to those episodes of maybe extending this uh storyline further beyond this season and I think the idea was a lot of the non-superpowered characters were maybe going to break off and start their own team, like an Outsiders or something. So um, I'll be interested to see if it feels like those threads are going back for this rewatch, seeing if those threads are resolved in a way that makes sense or if it feels more like they were they were dropped because they decided not to go that direction. But um, yeah, as it stands, this as like a middle piece, considering... It's picking up one cliffhanger and then leaves us on another. It's still so compelling. Like that 22 minutes, they just, you talk about like maximizing your, your time. It's, and still giving you some pretty, you know, compelling visuals and, and a big, you know, knockdown drag out superhero fight to start the episode. Like this is amazing. Like the, the pacing of this is tremendous. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think, I think the, the thought that I kept coming back to, uh, you know, as you're as you're kind of talking about describing this is that it shows the grays of politics and mil- military maneuvers and all of that that you that you have or, or opposing sides have, I guess, if you look at this and both sides looking from their own perspective and thinking why they're right, how they're right, the actions mm-hmm. that they have to take, why they have to take them, why they're justified in taking them, who's who's to blame for, you know, for forcing the other one's hand. This is all relevant today. Any I mean it's 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 completely still relevant. So it's it plays in those grays. It shows you, it kind of holds that mirror back up. And I don't think in comparison to like the the modern day tropes of edgy superheroes or gritty superheroes or whatever you know cliche you want to use, I feel like this doesn't, even though Superman is acting like Batman. 
it doesn't do it in a cliched way. It feels like he has a legitimate motivation in these moments to feel betrayed. He's betrayed by this person, Emil Hamilton, who he thought was his close friend. They're attacking people and, and kidnapping people on his team, even though that team feels justified for doing so because he's stolen government secrets from them. So they have a justification and they need to know what he knows. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you have him being a uh, super him Superman being so furious over all of this. And the fact that not only did they do this, they recruited or seemingly forced captain Adam back into active duty so that they could have somebody powerful enough to go up against Superman to be a threat against Superman. So he's even more furious about that. The fact that he had to nearly, he comes to, to such blows that almost break captain Adam's containment suit, which may have killed him so he's he's forced into this he feels like he's forced into this battle against captain adam that nearly killed his friend or somebody that was on Mm -hmm. his team so there's so many different layers so good um and as you mentioned like the fact that it, it doesn't feel the plot moved along it doesn't feel like a filler episode you picked up one thread you're continuing the thread you don't have a ton of actual visual fisticuffs in the episode minus that first first opening scene the rest of it is very dialogue very story driven as far as the tension is concerned tension is literally uh taken to the next level by people deciding whether that they're going to go take action and fight somebody else that's where our where our tension lies for the episode it's written so so incredibly well um you know the the different scenes of interaction between the different superheroes and and kind of the the conjecture as you said the mirror between that and the government side of things it's it's done just so well um i had no choice but to give plot a perfect 10 out of 10 for this episode yeah yeah same same here like we said it's just like considering it's like i just said that it's you fit so much in the middle keeping in mind that this is sandwiched this i mean the the cadmus arc is obviously longer than these these next few episodes but if you just look at the the through line from question authority the to to divided we fall like that's that's such a it's just this one kind of continuous story there aren't really any time jumps between that um so the fact that this like i said starts cleaning up a cliffhanger from the previous episode ends with its own cliffhanger and it's still so compelling and so interesting as a standalone piece is uh it's amazing it's amazing so uh you know as as we talked about uh the uh the late great Dwayne McDuffie just um, just a spectacular writer spectacular person at, especially when it came to injecting these real life themes um into into these uh these superhero stories um just just a phenomenal all right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. And as you mentioned at the top, DR Movie Co., responsible for our animation for this week. And our direction, uh, our, the episode was directed by Joaquin Dos Santos. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking, speaking of Mr. Dos Santos, by the way, he's also a director of a little of a little film called Across the Spider-Verse that came out this year. No uh, way. Yeah, like one of the lead directors on that project and i mean there's hundreds and hundreds of artists and, and visual effects people that worked on that movie but uh yeah he's uh he's credited as one of the directors on there so uh, another 
another guy who uh, cut his teeth in the in the world of the DCAU and then went on to create entire worlds all his own and uh you know worked on maybe maybe the most spectacular like from an engineering standpoint i think from from a, an accomplishment standpoint maybe the most spectacular animated film i've ever seen so yeah yeah just an incredibly talented guy yeah uh he's he's done some great things obviously i think maybe most most memorably known for his fight sequences as we'll talk about here mm-hmm. uh according to the dcau wiki and they're never wrong he's uh, <laughs> he's earned the nickname dr fight uh, <laughs> as a uh, as a uh, colloquialism for him to uh you know based on his his ability to to direct and choreograph some some fantastic battle scenes so this one uh, is no exception as we see uh, just a an incredible knockdown beat down drag out fight as we mentioned really brutal lots of incredible fists being thrown Superman being thrown head first into a wall we have uh, Captain Adam as we said his his uh, his containment suit getting nearly damaged so much that he nearly uh, he it nearly breaks and uh, mm-hmm. Superman. I I I dubbed it in in uh, mis- mixed martial arts arts. You have the uh, the ground and pound where the guy guy is up on one guy and the other guy's on his back and the guy's on top and he's just beating the tar out of him. You you know draining down fists on him. Superman I think uh, is responsible for the wall and pound as he he just jams <laughs> Captain Adam into a wall and then they cut to this sequence of him just raining fists down onto Captain Adam's head. Uh, quite quite a brutal fight between the two of them and uh, certainly uh, worth mentioning the uh, the action that takes place in that scene is. Uh, as I said, the rest of the the rest of the episode isn't without its interesting visuals. It's just this is where we get the main portion of our action for the episode. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the the big uh, the big action beat. They're smashing through walls, as you said. They're 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 uh, the the bit. It's towards the end of the fight where he takes like a piece of rebar or whatever from the wall and ties it around the. Uh, uh, Captain Adam's hands to try to curb the uh, the energy blast, and then he Captain Adam responds by doing he does the uh, the Dragon Ball Z right. You like put the hands together and then mm-hmm. unleash the energy that way instead, and uh, and the fight keeps going for a little bit longer. Yeah, and, and yeah, the the physical damage, considering you know uh, maybe not as as strict as the old you know Fox Kids days, but. There's still rules about blood and such, so the the lacerations and marks all over uh, all over Captain Adam's suit is a good way to visualize the uh, the tough battle there as well. So yeah, that that sequence is great. Um, also, when he takes his mask off. Um, he's gosh, his face is just destroyed. <laughs> like oh there yeah, are, there are broken orbital bones and jaws and and a lot of a lot wrong with him but... talk about an mma fight <laughs> oh my goodness yeah yes this guy is is messed up but i would be saying i mean we already talked about it in the in the plot but the visual like the how loving huntress and question are in that scene in the hospital bed yeah i think it's so nice like the, just the way that like she she grabs his hand and then the way he kind of like sort of sheepishly looks away when 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 she takes the mask off and he says, you know, I'm, I'm the ugliest guy of all time. And she just kind of looks back at him with the, with a really nice smile on her face. Like, it's just, yeah, like even like the smaller emotional beats of this episode, I think have a, have an extra little, 
an extra little flourish in them and then and then as mentioned the uh the big uh the other big action i guess of the episode is we see you know first we see the the beam go down and destroy the facility and the big explosion in the crater that looks that looks fantastic and then uh coming out of the i guess what would have been the commercial break we just see the the start of these tremors and we see you know kids at a playground and people walking in the street you know somebody eating lunch at a cafe and then everything starts to rumble and and then the the kind of the, the tremors begin and the earthquake starts and buildings begin to crash and 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 the car alarms are going off like just the the chaos of that of that sequence is uh is is really something as well yeah yeah i think i the fact that they set it up because they could have just easily shown you the aftermath, right? The, the, uh, the giant crater, the, the fires and the car alarms, and you would have understood, uh, you know, what had happened, but to really drive home again, we're, we're talking, this episode came out just four years after, you know, the events of September 11th here in the U S and uh, people had, had seen sort of the juxtaposition of the, of the sunny blue skies of that day that were suddenly disrupted when the, you know, when planes hit the the towers and the buildings ended up falling and just the, the chaos that ensued after that. So I, I feel like maybe some of that was trying to capture that aftermath. And to your point also, you know, the aftermath of, uh, of, of when a bomb drops or when, you know, uh, you know, when uh, a city has come under attack in a, in a military conflict, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of giving you that same, Hey, things are kind of just ordinary here. We're not expecting anything. And then out of nowhere, life is just kind of flipped upside down. So the fact that you had the, you had the two, two, uh, you know, mirror opposites of these, of these sequences here, where at the beginning walking dogs and birds chirping and everything like that. And then after the beam hits and all this, the earthquakes happen and, you know, the water mains are breaking and the the streets are coming undone and bridges are collapsing. And, uh, you know, the, the aftermath is this smoking giant crater in the ground. Uh, it, it really hammers home that idea that, man, these, these innocent people, their, their lives are, are never going to be the same after this. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. felt like that was, it was a, that was a good job of capturing that in the, uh, in it with those visuals also i will say there were i don't know if it's with dr movie co or maybe whoever was storyboarding this episode there were some weird choices as far as kind of like uh low angle shots that were kind of up people's chins and noses we got a couple Mm -hmm. of those with superman at times um and uh and martian manhunter looked a little off model at times so I, I did take take a point or two off for that. People looking a little bit off model uh, and kind of out of the ordinary it was, a, was a little bit distracting, especially when you don't have a lot of uh, visual action to kind of fill in the gaps here when it is a lot of standing around and talking. And um, even some of the way that like when Green Arrow's giving his speech on the watchtower, he's kind of like not, it almost looks like he's not making eye contact with the rest of the group. He's kind of like looking mm-hmm. down. And I don't know if that was to communicate like a sort of shame in the responsibility that they have as the league or, you know, it, mm-hmm. cause it doesn't, it didn't feel like he should be shy in that moment. He's speaking up. Like he's, he's making his opinion known as the, you know, one of the few members that doesn't have, have superpowers to, 
to, to, to share his opinion and thought, not only that, but his opinion on what the role of the government should be and why they need to make sure that the, that they're keeping the superheroes in check and all of this. So uh, I don't know if that was intentional, if it was just a, again, a weird storyboarding choice, but it kind of didn't feel like it fit what that character's speech was going for in that moment. So uh, I felt again, nitpicking a little bit here, but uh, running through a couple of highlights that I did like um, I love, of course we know now with the benefit of hindsight, what Lex Luthor is working on in that one mm-hmm. scene. Uh, but uh, there is a little Easter egg. If you look, did you catch the Easter egg? I don't know if I did. On the side of the machine that he's working on is the three very familiar three dotted symbol. It's not connected, but it is the Brainiac symbol on the Ooh. side of it. The dots are the dots are not connected, but they're in that little that three dot B shape uh, or triangle shape, if you will. I missed that completely. Yeah, it's it's very subtle. It's there. But, uh, you, you know, I, I was like, man, is there anything here indicating? Yep, sure is. Right on the side there, kind of hiding in plain <laughs> sight is this little little three dots. So uh, kind of giving you a little foreshadowing there. You got to love that. Um, the return of the Justice League spacesuits also. We hadn't seen those mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, the classic Justice League spacesuits, I should say. Not the newfangled ones that they did for the, uh, for the return. That's right. Mezo. These are the the gold and silver standard issued uh, spacesuits. I guess it's cool that they broke those back out. I, I like seeing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was also one final subtle moment. Uh, speaking of of little homages and uh, and maybe uh, foreshadowing, this this one definitely more of an homage. But uh, the reveal of Galatea as she's doing her workouts, uh, lifting up the heavy machinery over her head and doing d- doing deadlifts with them. She uh, she after she's done her workout and walking along um, with Amanda Waller, she pulls out a red towel that she drapes over her shoulder, kind of giving her Ooh. that look of the classic Power Girl red cape <laughs> that she models. It's just for a second. And it's a kind of a blink and you miss it thing. She doesn't actually wear it like a cape, but it does drape over her shoulder in a way that I was like, I don't think that that was on. I don't think that was on accident. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I think this is a solid episode. Not a lot of action to go off of. I did think some of the the, the points of view and the the camera angles were a little bit odd as far as why why they went kind of low angle shots on some of the. Mm-hmm some of the heroes. So I took a couple points off from that, but overall I, I ended up going with a, and mainly on the back of that, that opening fight, I went with a seven out of 10. What about you? Yeah. I went just one point higher for eight out of 10, just because I, I, I think that that opening fight and then the, the scene in the, uh, with the, the damage being done to the city. And then like we said, this sort of homage of uh, some of the, the lesser known justice leaguers out there uh, saving lives. I thought was uh was pretty spectacular and then yeah even even some of the the smaller moments like you know it's kind of a theme as we'll see in next week's episode as well that galatea maybe uh her bark's a little bigger than her bite she's sort of in a fake it till you make it mode and like Mm -hmm. she's she's trying to show off how powerful she is and so she's lifting this gigantic weight machine with one arm but then if you look you just see her arm shaking just a little bit like Uh. yeah, there's a there's a, it's it's just like one or two. It just twitches a little bit before she drops it, and it's just just I don't uh you know just showing off that she's she likes to show off. She wants everyone to think she's uh 
she's in control, but maybe there's, there's a little bit of a, uh, a few, a few cracks in the armor, so to speak. So I, I liked that. Uh, there's, yeah, like I said, a lot of small visual things uh, that, uh, that I think add up here to a, a pretty strong score from both of us. There you go. Do we run down the full list of who was, uh, who was the, the extras there that didn't get. Didn't oh, get let's, let's do it. Yes. So we have uh, not non-voiced appearances in this episode from uh, Vixen, Vibe, Steel, uh, Rocket Red, uh, The Ray, Nemesis, Gypsy, Elongated Man, Dr. Light, Dove, Booster Gold, and The Atom. There you go. A, a nice list of background fillers there. Some people that had former... Uh, former speaking parts, but uh, didn't quite. I mean, this is this is Vla- the vi- I mean, this is pre the Flash show. This is vibes like <laughs> this was his biggest mainstream moment here, outside of like the the Justice League Detroit comics of the later nineties. Like <laughs> they let him do something too. He was like picking up pieces of the bridge or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that uh, the fact that they also it wasn't just like them standing around. All of them are actually kind of moving, and they get to kind of feature some of their powers. Is kind of kind of cool. I, yeah, and Elongated Man making himself a slide for people to uh, to slide down where the where the firefighters are waiting was neat. Was a neat mm-hmm. touch. And yeah, we see Booster flying in and out of buildings. I don't. I'm I'm not familiar with Gypsy. She's not really a character that's been around in our lifetimes i feel mm-hmm. i think she might have also been on the justice league detroit which like followed a the international run in the 90s but like uh i guess she can walk through walls because she does it in this episode yeah according cool to effect. according to the dcau wiki she never exhibited that power in the comics so they may have just made up the power for the show sure uh, <laughs> But uh, I can either confirm or deny that. So any any huge fans of this character whose name may or may not be canceled, I'm not sure. I've I've heard that no, recently. I don't, I don't think we. I don't think that's the term for. Uh... I don't think it's politically correct these days to refer to a particular group of people that way. But I think correct. I think yeah. I think I think this character's name is this. So we're just gonna stick with that. Correct. Please don't cancel us. Fact, factually stating. That's right. The character's name, not not endorsement. That's correct. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which <laughs> is going to be music, which is, uh, of course, provided by the Dynamic Music Partners for this week. And uh, hey, there were actually some pretty interesting notes that I had taken here for music, but uh, I will see if any of them overlap with, uh, with anything that you had written down. Uh, what did you have? I think the biggest part I had was as we just finished talking about that sequence where the, the Justice Leaguers are are helping with the disaster relief, that sequence, there's sort of a montage. There's really not any dialogue and there's really not even much in the way of sound effects. So it's pretty much just music mm-hmm. and it's everyone, you know, it's very solemn as we're, you know, as we're watching, you know, Booster Gold go through a building and pick people up and take them down and the people like I said sliding down elongated man and and vibe and gypsy and rocket red and whoever else we see kind of just flying around it's very somber it's very solemn you know we see the flash running around as well but it's just it's they just kind of let the the music and the and the visual language speak for it there's not like there's a it's not any dialogue so i thought the music accompanying these as you said very much invoking you know, real life disasters that had had recently, uh, you know, faced face face the world. Um, 
uh yeah the the music adds a ton to that scene and i thought yeah I, i'm i'm with you on that and even right before that when the uh direct energy weapon or as some may call it or the <laughs> or the <laughs> watchtower as the the weapon fires uh there is just kind of this haunting music that plays that has this uh, chorus or choral undertone of it with these voices that kind of just kind of feed into the haunting oh my goodness what just happened um you know what type of destruction did the justice league just murder all of these government agents uh or did the watchtower just murder all of these government agents um it's it it kind of builds that tension in that and then again this the somber note of them kind of trying to help the cleanup as uh as they're they're going around yeah those those kind of play off each other very very well because it really brings the tone of this you know uh, no there are no winners in 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 war yeah. i guess um so i i did enjoy that i i think the the fight scene of course between superman and captain adam you have some good standard uh fight music that's that's happening there some good good fare it is uh more of the um synthesizer and you know we've moved past live music it's it's more of the synthesizers but doing what they can to certainly uh to to accentuate the action that you're seeing on the screen um i i like when the the question and the huntress are talking they're sort of i don't know if it's a question theme but it is a musical piece that i associated with previous appearances of the mm-hmm. question so i'll just call it the question theme um it does play in sort of a somber sad note uh as they're they're kind of sitting there and and superman um uh, or or as they're having this conversation before Superman walks in uh, this romantic moment and especially uh, he drops the line of being the most ugly person alive and she says not in my eyes and then it kind of plays mm-hmm. plays that somber theme before Superman comes in um, and then uh, I think the last musical note that I had uh, that 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 really I felt added an exclamation point to the scene was the uh, was the Galatea the crescendo of the Galatea and Waller walking into and revealing mm-hmm. the Ultimen uh, army as you kind of get this haunting theme that plays as you realize that, Oh, this is going up another level here as not only uh, is, is the U S government going to take a step here to declare war on the justice league, but they're not just sending this one super powered individual. They have an army of, of uh of drones to go after with them so uh it again it kind of the the cliffhanger you have these spotlights coming down visually on the the different groups of the ultimate and then uh then you know fade to black here really brings that tension gives you the cliffhanger feel let's get on to the next episode type of idea here you know oh no i can't wait for next <laughs> week. like giving you that feel so i thought the music was pretty strong for this week i think it played played in the right notes and where it needed to needed to be uh, quiet and somber it was when it needed to add a little bit more tension it did um so for all those reasons i ended up giving it a a eight out of ten what about you yeah, I went just one point lower at uh, at seven out of ten, but uh, yeah, it's, I still think it's really strong. If I think you touched on it, but yeah, the, there's the moment where the countdown starts, the computer raises out of the ground, and the countdown for the sh- for the laser blast is about to start. And you know, Jean's trying to fight it, and finally tries to override it, doesn't work, so he pulls the wires out, and everything stops. Like there's no sound for a second, and there's almost like an exhale. 
and then it's rerouting power and everything boots back up and the music just rushes back in and it's like even more frantic and fast tempoed than it was before and that that added a lot to like how like how unnerving that sequence is and then as the music sort of quickens then you you know you see superman realize there's no other way and you know dive out and and fly out crashing through the wall of the watchtower to go uh to go uh, try to stop it at the at the last second that's just uh yeah really 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 great great example of how the music can can just make you can add in to that emotion that you're already feeling based on you know the plot and the visuals and the dialogue all right man let's move on to our final category of the day which is going to be our voice actors uh we have a a uh I guess a medium-sized cast to talk about today. Uh, a lot of, uh, of of series regulars here, not too many listed here on the special guest list, but uh, some really, really important, heavy dialogue driven, as we talked about. A lot of dialogue, a lot of intense moments, a lot of important uh, conversations happening here. So that means uh, a lot of the weight went on our voice cast. So uh, let's break down their performances for this week. Yeah, so really our only guest star um, uh, or guest star we hadn't heard from before is uh, Robert Forster as uh, as the president. Uh, folks would know him from things like Jackie Brown. Uh, he has a big role in that. And then he's also, he's the guy that helps people disappear on Breaking Bad. <laughs> he's like the hardware store owner that... Okay. Uh, He's a very memorable, like he's only in one or two episodes, but it's very memorable for that series uh, towards the end of that. Um, no longer with us, unfortunately, passed away in uh, a few years ago. But uh, another another character actor that you just you saw him, you'd know him and he has a pretty recognizable voice, too. But great, great gravitas as as the president of a TV show president, like. If we didn't mention it, like the, so much of this feels like if they weren't in superhero costumes, this this is like an episode of The West Wing or something. Like it's For very sure. like it's so dripping with that like dramatic tension and all the dialogue. It feels you know it feels very like Aaron, Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. you know, network television drama, political drama. Like it's absolutely, and, uh, and he's he's good in that way. And then we have of course our our uh, more frequent guest cast. We have uh ken schreiner as the green arrow i'm just gonna run him down fast and then we can kind of talk about what stands out to us uh ken schreiner is the green arrow nicole tom is supergirl jeffrey combs is the question amy acker as huntress chris cox as captain adam and then our main original justice leaguers we have three this week we of course have carl lumley as martian manhunter michael rosenbaum as the flash and uh, and finally uh george newburn as superman um yeah so this as you said other than our opening fight scene this is a lot of dialogue um a lot of it falling on the shoulders of george newburn ken schreiner carl lumbly and of course uh, cch pounder as amanda waller maybe being the heaviest lifters but some some big moments for i think nicole thomas supergirl as well like it's just a really well-rounded Again, we talked about them maximizing their minutes from a from a plot standpoint. I feel like everybody everybody who talks in this episode has something important to say, if that makes sense. No, you're absolutely right. I I mean, even breaking down is some of the some of the smaller pieces. The the Michael Rosenbaum is the Flash. He has that one line 
uh, talking to Superman about how he's acting like Batman. Like that's a mm-hmm. very memorable line. He doesn't have a ton to say. He also has the responsibility of trying to like defend the justice league and try and prove to these people that they're not the bad guys mm-hmm. you have, uh, you have the great Ken Schreiner who's, you know, again, has this little kind of tiny speech that he gives about, uh, you know, about being his political stance and why he believes that the mm-hmm. government has the right to do what they're doing. And uh, but then also has this kind of like this this other downer moment where he's where he's kind of put in the middle of this this argument between the the citizens and the, the superheroes where he kind of doesn't even realize what he's doing there anymore, as he says. So, yeah, there's some emotional beats that these characters are called upon to do, even in these brief little dialogue bits that they have um, that I feel like they knock out of the park. And then you have, of course, you have the bigger conversations. You have, uh, you know, Superman and 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 the question having this heart to heart where, uh, you know, Jeffrey Combs has to deliver these lines talking about, you know, again, reiterating this idea that he believes that Superman ultimately has it in him to kill, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to kill Lex Luthor, Superman doing his best to try and and paint himself as the hero that would never do that. But again, the question really not believing that this is believing that this is inevitable. And I love the little line that he throws out at the end. It's, you know, what's, what's the difference? It's not like it's the end of the world. Am I right? Mm -hmm. He just like, he, so coldly and callously says that to Superman as he's leaving um, delivered with just perfect essence there. And you mentioned the, the, the Mr. Combs with Miss Acker as the Huntress, mm-hmm. their continued, uh, you know, love story kind of blossoming romance type of relationship there really felt warm. Uh, George Newbern playing off Carl Lumbly's John Jones uh, as, you know, as he's furious and John kind of has to play, you know, bring him down to metaphorical earth in this, this, uh, this, this case here, like, Hey, like we can't, we can't be up here. We can't act on our emotions. We have to be calm, cool, and collected, which of course, every line that Carl Lumbly gave us as John uh, seemed to come off as that, that gentle, calm, peaceful character. So um there's a lot there's a lot of stuff and then then you have cch pounder working with clancy brown and uh mm-hmm. you know her 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 lack of patience and her kind of seeing an opening here to kind of move forward with what she believes is the as getting rid of this threat that she sees in the superheroes um and moving forward to eliminate the justice league has that sinister beat to it, but also the, the, you know, the, the bit of fear that she has in her voice when she's explaining to the president, it's all fantastic. I think everybody did a great job. Uh, and, and not last but not least, Nicole Tom as Supergirl, you know, going through and, and kind of giving her opinion of, of what it feels like when she realizes that Emil Hamilton betrayed mm-hmm. her. Um, all of that done incredibly well. I, I didn't find anybody bad wrong i felt i thought everybody was phenomenal this week uh which is why i ended up giving voice acting also a perfect 10 out of 10 yeah uh fame score for me it was, it's hard to argue with when you played it out there yeah again like you said even the the smaller players you know michael rosenbaum hitting that line at the end after superman's hit his line about they you know they came at us and we got to hit them back hard and and he uh, he kind of throws out the old the old cliche of you know the trouble with a knife or an eye is everybody ends up blind like mm-hmm. but it's such a perfect way to kind of cut through 
this sort of very, you know, very macho reactionary talk that everybody has that, in that episode. And, and uh, you know, him and him and Green Arrow in different ways, sort of being the, uh, the voices of reason among this very, uh, this very sort of frustrated Superman. And yeah, and, and Carl Lumbly, man, he's, he's so like, John is, you know, and they, they kind of make that a storyline in, in the last season of Justice League that he's kind of intentionally put himself on the back burner, but that, that scene where the president calls him, he's so good in that. Yeah. Like the way he, he's so like, he's contrite and he's calm and you can tell that this is, you know, this is tough for him, but he's also kind of trying to stand firm and say, you know, if we'd, we'd had that gun when the, when the Thanagarians invaded, we could have saved so many more lives and all this. Like he's, 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 you know, he's, he's sorry, but he's, but he's firm and just, just kind he should have he should have won an Emmy for Falcon and Winter Soldier. They nominated Don Cheadle for some reason, even though he was in one scene of that show. Anyway, I'm not over it. <laughs> yep, that's okay. But, he, but he's spectacular in this episode. This is a place for your soapbox to live. Don't worry. This, this is a place where I think it's safe for me to say that Carl Lumbly's a spectacular actor, and yeah, and deserves deserves his flowers. Absolutely, right. you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, you know, we, we have some more episodes coming up here where we will be able to sing more of his praises and we'll take every opportunity mm-hmm. that we get to do so, uh, as we do with, with almost everybody here in the, in the cast. So, uh, yeah, a, 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 a reflected in both of our scores, another, uh, another home run here from, from voice cast, uh, our, our voice caster, uh, Andrea Romano, it's just knowing the right, right direction to give to people. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, pulling the talent out of the immense talent that all these people had, uh, to begin with. So, uh, yeah, w- way to go, everybody. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's total up our scores now that we're wrapping the episode up. Uh, and I think we'll end up probably either the same or the, in the neighborhood of each other, uh, as we are often want to do. But uh, totaling up all of my scores, I end up with a 35 out of 40. What about you? Yep, I end up with the exact same score, even though I don't, I don't think we perfectly agreed in every category. We were uh, plus one or minus one in a couple, but uh, that ends up to, with the final score. Um, so this one does just leave itself just barely outside of the top pick section, ah. but uh, you know, which we, we give to all of our 36 or higher episodes, but um, suffice to say, like we said, this is such a linchpin episode for this entire arc, but really, especially for this like four part mm-hmm. uh, finale of, you know, question authority through divided. We fall well, really the finale is for this season is epilogue, but we'll, we'll <laughs> That's that's the final episode ever of this podcast. By right. the way. So <laughs> that that's not one we'll be getting to anytime soon. So uh, this you know this one through divided we fall is such a connected story. Um, so that's this is uh, an obvious double thumbs up at, because as we've just been talking about for the last hour, not only is it a great episode as far as you know moving the plot along, getting us from point A to point B, but doing it in just a spectacular and fascinating way absolutely yeah i i i mean you can't it's undeniable <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's a must watch it's integral to the dcau it's inter, integral to this show it's inter, integral to those four four parts uh you can't can't skip this one so and 
it's just a really good episode. So yeah, it's uh two thumbs up. If I had an extra thumb, I would give it up also. But <laughs> alas, I do not. All right, Liam, let's begin to wrap things up here. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Don't forget if you would like to support the podcast, uh, you have a myriad of different ways to do so. We'll, we will run through those very quickly. You can, of course, support us uh, by following us on social media at DCAU Review. We are on all major social media platforms. You know the normal ones, Instagram, formerly known as Twitter, now X, and, uh, and a couple of other ones as well. So find us on there at DCAU Review. Uh, you can also support the podcast by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, if it's a traditional podcast app like Apple Podcasts or, uh, or Spotify, uh, leave us a five-star review. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts and you, uh, you can leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast, please do so. And if you, uh, if you do, take a screenshot of it send it to us uh, in our DMs and, uh, and uh, we'll be sure to thank you, give you a shout out. And that might have a little uh, special gift to send you as well. Uh, you can also support the podcast monetarily if you'd like to. Uh, there's links in the show notes. One way is to subscribe to the podcast monthly with a, with a monthly donation. We have some listeners that do that, that we're incredibly thankful for, uh, that buy me and Liam coffee every single month. So we're incredibly thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And also buy a piece of merchandise if you'd like to. Uh, there's a link to the store there to buy a shirt or a mug or a hat or something, a sticker. Uh, get something to support and rock a DCAU review. We appreciate that. Liam, we uh, are continuing here. Oh, last last way, of course, we mentioned at the top, you can, of course, subscribe to us on the Pod Tower on YouTube. Do that and you get some great content from other DCAU content creators. Liam, we are continuing here in our month of Justice League reviews, and I have a feeling I know where we're going next, but just in case you're not quite sure, what episode will we be reviewing next week? That's right, Cal. And next week, we will be picking up directly where this one leaves off with the episode aptly titled for a couple of reasons, which we'll chat about next week, uh, Panic in the Sky. It is going to be a good one. You are not going to want to miss it. If you have missed any of our Cadmus story arc uh, podcast thus far, why don't you take the opportunity this week and head back in the archives and check those out. Uh, You can search on your favorite podcast app. Just search for J-O-U, D-C-A-U. You'll find it that way. Uh, And, uh, you know, catch on up. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.